0: Welcome to the Mill Creek View Tennessee podcast with your host Steve Abramowitz editor in chief of the
1: Mill Creek View newspaper. Welcome back to the Mill Creek View. I'm multitasking and not doing a good job of it. Welcome back to Mill Creek View Tennessee podcast. We are focused live TV folks. We are focused on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community. A bit of a change up to the format. So not only did I blow the intro, we'll hopefully not blow the whole show. Uh, as you'll soon see. This time, special guest Brandon Lewis and our special, special Let's Go Brandon birthday edition. But first, for more information about the Mill Creek View podcast, visit us anywhere you get your podcasts and socials at Mill Creek View, Tennessee. While you're there, please subscribe. It's still free to you. We are starting today with the Steve and Steve segment of our show. So let's begin with this. Producer Steve I yelled from the rooftops back in the Washington days, and a national news source uh, picked it up recently, yesterday. So I'm going to follow up with it, even though this is Tennessee. It's really national news now. Um, Who are the arbiters of truth? Who are fact-checking the AI fact-checkers? Recent public records request documents show the Democrat-controlled Washington State Secretary of State paid $147,600 of taxpayer dollars to an overseas artificial intelligence company based in the UK to <laughs> surveil anyone using social media platforms like me that question the partisan narrative of free and fair elections. Huh? Oh. The company named Logically L O G I C A L L Y targets people using online social media posts and fact checkers, what they deem misinformation and disinformation then publishes and sends out regular threat alerts and biweekly narrative and threat reports to the secretary of state not their job based on its ai algorithm preferences according to the gateway pundit investigation this is in essence washington state taxpayer-funded democrat opposition research spying via a non-government organization as i like to call ngo the leftist yeah, yeah. Orwellian Big Brother surveillance state most obviously does not care about the U.S. Constitution, First Amendment, free speech, or the protected freedoms of speech in the Washington State Constitution, Article 1, Section 5. Look it up. Regular, regular logistically logically ugh, disinformation reports also include election alerts, threats of violence, threats briefings, flagging conservative events... Etc. PRR and public data show ISR has its own hierarchy and government administrative state bureaucracy with about 15 employees, taxpayer funded, and is tasked to work directly with logically under the SOS umbrella. Secretary of State Kylie Zabel. We we name names here, folks. Former communications director under former SOS Kim Wyman. Oh, oh yes, she's the director of ISR. Zabel is working under Assistant Secretary of State Kevin McMahon, who is directly under Secretary of State Steve Hobbs, who's been on the show and called us election deniers, crazy conspiracy theorists, if I'm not mistaken. You can go back and listen. Wyman left in November 2021 after being the only statewide elected Republican in the entire state of Washington to serve with the Biden administration, like all good Republicans would, of course, aspire to do. (laughs) As the senior election security lead for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, what does that stand for? <laughs> CISA. CISA. C-I-S-S-A. I've talked about it many, many times, folks. Oh yes. Within the Department of Homeland Security (DHS) zabel left with wyman but returned in 2022 to save the day to the secretary of state and was appointed director of isr in january 2023 same boss as the old boss do citizens have a right to be notified that their speech has fallen under review by their government via leftist controlled ai companies producer steve
0: i think they have not been reading the first (laughs) Our, our constitution steve our constitution what
1: the same as the federal constitution?
0: It, it 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 Washington state constitution, federal constitution. It's all the same thing. It says we have the right, the free speech. Government shall make no laws against free speech.
1: Well, not in Washington. For those seeking truth, transparency, and exposing corruption that landed their speech in front of state bureaucrats for misdisinformation review, will they be entitled to a response or dialogue to address their concerns? I don't think so. I don't either. These are serious constitutional freedom of speech issues. It is time for the people and their elected representatives in the state legislature to weigh in on this. The article says the public must be involved in such important constitutional issues to provide input for weaponized Washington state agencies that have gone rogue. We like to call those negative rights which is very confusing because you would think something negative is bad but negative rights means what the government cannot do to you not what it can do to you and what Washington state did is to you
2: mm mm-hmm.
1: not not against not you against them grievances all right uh bill brook is the Washington state GOP election integrity chairman uh okay but uh have you seen you you're in media you're you're out there doing your thing have you had twitter all of a sudden out of the billions of algorithms that it's reading on a minute by minute basis knocked you out like me or done anything to you
0: uh no and i and in all honesty i have not i have a twitter account i have never used it steve so (laughs) i am not like you who um (laughs) you're like yourself and a few others that i follow um they are very active daily uh, hourly sometimes. And me, uh, it's on my to-do list. I guess when I launch my own podcast, then I'll have to, to get people to come over and check my stuff out like you.
1: Yeah, that's the, that's the problem is they've suckered us in. We kind of have to participate. So I'm just checking real quickly here as of last count and anyone following along for a while, 793. So I'm seven away from 800. I was at 400 before the whole uh, Franklin governor race, th- or mayor race thing broken. So it works it's it's yep. there for promotion and what are you gonna do all yep. right so yep. next story i know this is near and dear to your heart but your long-haul commute is safe from political interference right we just talked about your election and your social media being unsafe from political interference but your long-haul commute should be fine right everybody wants to eat everyone needs to get that fuel from place to place so that you can actually drive your car how long does it take you to drive into work producer steve what's your commute like
0: um i happen to be five minutes from my office from my home so I am very blessed.
1: Okay. And I'm about five seconds from my uh, bedroom and kitchen for this show. <laughs> but, you but, can't tell that from by me. But But
0: Steve, in oh. the past, I have driven um, to Eastgate. I have driven to South Seattle. And, it, and the earlier, the better, because that was back in the 80s and 90s. And uh, even then, traffic was
1: pretty bad. Pretty bad. And it's only gotten worse. I always used to say Seattle was built for horse and buggy, and it still has that infrastructure. But... Um, I get to take my golf cart to the office when I feel like it, but I do plug it into the wall. No gas stations required. But let's talk about this boondoggle now. New electric vehicle fast chargers now available along state highways in Central California. Electric vehicles drivers now have more fast charging options along state highways in Central California, including at the popular Tejon Pass rest area near the Los Angeles Kern County line, With the installation of 22 new EV fast chargers in nine locations by the California Department of Transportation, Caltrans for those who know, fast chargers are essential to continue growing EV adoption in California and meeting our state's goals for combating climate change. Expanding the availability of convenient fast charging stations along state highways is significant for the future of California transportation. Steve, do you have an electric vehicle, and what do you know about this in the state two down from you? Uh,
0: Well, I do not have an electric vehicle, but I can tell you I've been covering it personally since they first launched way back in the the 2000s, and it was mostly on the motorcycle side of things, and then Tesla got into it. And in all reality, they are a boondoggle. They are a big fake thing, and everything that Elon Musk says about them is a lie, and I did do a little research, come to find out that it's over in Britain, they're having a hard time actually insuring them because the cost of replacing a bad battery is quite expensive. And now they're like, well, we'll just total that car. So coming to a insurance company near you soon, I suspect.
1: Yeah, not to mention the fact that they burst into flames and that's kind of hard to insure, but um, I did a little homework too, cause I always bring the receipts The Level 3 DC fast chargers provided an approximate 80% charge in 30 minutes to EVs with fast charging capabilities. So imagine you're driving up I-5 like I used to from college back home to Napa Valley, and you got to spend 30 minutes charging your car instead of 11 minutes or less to uh, fill your tank, assuming it's empty. The chargers have universal connectors and are able to serve all evs on the market that's nice you don't want to have to drive up there and say oh i've got a google android in a, instead of a uh i can't charge it yep. including teslas not macintosh show your age there <laughs> including teslas with an adapter charging is free with no time limit that's nice with four new ev fast chargers at the cajon pass rest area on interstate five straight up and down all the way to San Felipe, New Mexico, uh, Baja and Canada border and 18 others uh, staggered approximately 40 miles apart. Interesting. Caltrans has reduced recharging concerns for plug-in EV drivers on long distance trips through the Central Valley. Tony Tavares, Caltrans District 7 Director, that's Los Angeles and Ventura County, Ivesco Company is part of PowerSonic Corp. The website says they use commercial grade AC power, remember DC, AC, which is converted within the charger into DC power to then distribute directly to the vehicle's battery. Wow, cool, right? The $4.5 million project is funded by Caltrans, which would be taxpayers if they were fully disclosing, and the San Joaquin Valley Air Pollution Control District in Fresno. How nice of them. The, pu- the prime contractor is Cal Valley Construction of Fresno. BTC Power, which was Broadband Telecom Power, Inc. of Santa Ana, provided and installed the DC EV fast chargers with assistance from electrical subcontractor CSI, CSI, yep, Civil Substations, Inc. of Clovis. So companies are in the mix here, folks. Pacific Gas and Electric. Bankrupt at least three times in my lifetime. And Electric and Southern California Edison are the electric service providers. Keep that in mind, that's nuclear. In addition to the new chargers in the Central Valley, CalTrans has six Level 3 DC fast chargers in San Diego County, two in Monterey County, and one in San Luis Obispo County, and two Level 2 charger stations in my birthplace, Napa County, and three in Contra Costa County, all available to the public question how does california get its power
0: it's probably a mix steve i suspect it's a big mix of everything from coal natural gas wind solar and of course um from washington state um our our green energy yes the hydroelectric
1: dams and nuke yes Electricity generators by major type and share of total annual U.S. utility scale net electricity generation in 2022 for the whole country. Steam turbine, 42.5%, not in EVs. Coal, 19.4% in EVs. Nuclear, 18.2% in EVs, but not from California because they don't have it. Natural gas, 2.6%. Biomass, 2.3%. Uh, combustible turbine, that's a big one, 21.4%, steam turbine, 10.7%, uh, combustible gas turbine, natural gas, 3.6%. This is the share of annual electricity generation. Wind, 10.3%, water, 6%, solar, 3.3%, and then others, whatever. Why do I go through that little litany? Because if you boil it down to just California, coal, 3%. Natural gas, 37.9%. Oil, 0%. Hard to believe, but that's what it says. Nuclear, Mm 9.3%. Large hydro, 9.2%. Unspecified is 6%. That's interesting. Who knows what that (laughs) is? Uh, Biomass, basically dissolving all of your waste product, 2.3%. Geothermal, that's uh, the geysers, 4.8%. Small hydro, 1%. They should do more. They don't have it. They block their water. Solar, 14.2%. Hopefully it's sunny all the time. And wind, 11.4%. Hopefully it's windy all the time. I've seen them. Those freaking propellers, man, they'll cut those birds' heads right off. uh Total renewal. So add that all up. It's 100%. But guess what? This is where, this is the point I want to make. Imports. This is all virtue signaling. Electricity imports account for approximately 30% of total system electric generation each year. This is from California. As part of the Western Electricity Coordinating Council, WECC, they always have to have acronyms there or whatever it's called. California is served by balancing authorities in other Western states and Canadian provinces. Imports are grouped based on state or province of origin. The Northwest is made up of Alberta, british columbia idaho montana oregon south dakota washington and wyoming electricity imports increased by 2.5 percent due primarily to increased imports from the southwest they aren't doing anything for the environment of course why use your own dirty energy when you can just import arizona's right the southwest category includes arizona baja california colorado mexico Nevada, New Mexico, Utah, and, oh, Texas, where the oil comes from. Got it? Gavin Newsom signed a law that said no state employees could travel to states like Texas because they're dirty and they, I don't know, didn't like girls (laughs) use boys' bathrooms. And yet he had to rescind that two months ago so that he can go on the campaign trail. All right, next. Um, It's just, yeah. And what do you know about diesel the dirtiest of them all, Steve. Anything?
0: Uh, I've heard that they have diesel generators, or they did in some of these uh, fast start um, charging stations. That They have these little things that in the peak, peak months or when the power goes down, the diesel generator goes off and it takes care of charging the station right there at its spot. So when the
1: DC converts to the AC and you go to your pump 30 miles away from the last one to charge your tesla or your prius or whatever you got you feel real good about saving the environment with your bubble machine but behind the scenes the energy that you have just squirted out through the hose came from the dirtiest of all possible it didn't do a darn thing and it didn't even come from california but you can say it did and you might even get elected all right <laughs> welcome to are we on the right do we have to go to the people in the news section now uh
0: we got We got a few minutes left before we go into our Brandon section.
1: All right. Well, my case is closed there, but here we go. Welcome to our People in the News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with, let's go, Brandon, Brandon Lewis. Brandon Lewis has been a longtime friend of the MCV, and to me personally, uh, aside from what I quickly counted up as eight Let's Go Brandon segments that we started doing this year, which we are very, very thankful for, um, we become friends. Uh, maybe my first when I moved to Tennessee, I found his news website, TennesseeConservativeNews.com, when I still lived behind the Emerald Curtain where you're trapped in Washington um, and was researching like-minded patriot publications and couldn't find any, but I found his uh, and individuals in, in what would become my home. Uh, i got a ton of content from him i get a ton of content from him and his general manager jason vaughn who doesn't want to be public so he won't come on the show a little bit shy maybe one of these days talk about the news business but uh, that's okay he's the man in the chair behind the scenes uh behind the curtain um and so that's okay but we still love him and we've had aurelia kirschner the millennial intrepid reporter and mrs kelly jackson miss jackson if you're nasty Um, and remember the 80s, um, under TTC roving, another TTC roving reporter. So they've been great. Uh, he Tennessee is lucky to have him, we're lucky to have him. And full disclosure, I advertised the show on his Big Seven podcast and newsletter. I filled in as host in his show when everyone was on vacation, and I was the last one who would be stupid enough to do it, I guess. Um, and I even occasionally get an op ed published, I think my. Thanksgiving messages there now, so be sure to check that out at tennesseeconservativenews.com. It's a long one, but the name says it all, Tennessee Conservative. So he invited me to his home on uh, Signal Mountain in Chattanooga to celebrate his birthday uh, with him and his wife and his kids and a bunch of his what he called his redneck hillbilly friends from all over and all ages, and we sat down in his library and recorded a live Let's Go Brandon Uh, slash Steve and Brandon episode. Before we do, uh, usually this is how we end the segment, but since we're doing it backwards today, Steve, I always ask you after the interview, and since, like I said, we've heard him eight times by now, let you know him a little bit. What do you think of our friend, Brandon Lewis?
0: Oh, I like him. He'd be a great guy to have a beer with, which I think people are going to find out that's what you were doing. (laughs) And uh, he's just a good old boy, and he is a very savvy business owner. And he's built up quite a, a painting company, and now he trains people on how to launch painting companies and that kind of thing. And he's very, very active in educating people who want to run for office and all the right things. He has whole classes on this. And he, just like he learned how to teach classes on painting, now he teaches classes on how to run for uh, office, and he's a a wealth of information and he's he's younger than me, Steve, so he's getting a lot done at a young age yeah. so and a know. smart
1: guy, I was blessed to have spent the entire weekend, so I got to go to church with him on on Sunday at this amazing church um out there in Chattanooga, which I don't know a lot about, but I'm getting to learn more and more. I'm big in Chattanooga. And so it's fun to um, to to see that side of him as well. Uh, we all struggle with our, our our sins by nature, but he's doing the best he can, and he's a great family man and and a great Christian. And uh, I hope you like it. We were a bit overserved the night before, as Steve alluded to, so you Rumble viewers can see a little hair of the dog being consumed. Uh, Coors Light, and no, it's not a paid for product placement. Uh, that's what he drinks. Uh, good times. And we'll send off with a little of The Man in Black reminding us who is in charge of everything ultimately. Um, an album I recently discovered by Johnny Cash, 1974, when I was three. So I wouldn't have figured it out until now. And I'm in love with it. Uh, stick around for that. In the meantime, enjoy my birthday special with Let's Go Brandon. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast simply and naturally without restrictive exercise or cardboard dry tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof, look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know, I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com
0: I don't have-
1: Welcome back to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast, where we we interview always an interesting person making a positive change in our community and our world today. Today we are with Brandon Lewis at Casa de Lewis. Brandon was kind enough to let us host the show at his house today. This is his uh, den. So, hello, and how are you? Happy birthday! I'm glad, glad to be here. Another year older beats the alternative. It does, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be having birthdays on this side, not yes. the other side. Gotcha, alright. Well, you've had about 15 friends from all ages, uh, all walks of your life, coming in and out of here this uh, weekend so far, and that's fantastic. That means you're a very popular, well-liked guy. They so must be doing something right, or they're insane. Which
2: well, they're they're probably a combination too. I do feed them. Okay. I do feed them, and so they you know, like stray cats, they will. If you feed them, <laughs> they will just keep coming. Always <laughs> offer them a nice
1: meal, <laughs> and they'll be here. So you moved here about uh, what a year and a half ago now. Year and a half. Finally settling in.
2: We're in the the library here. My my wife's domain. Okay. So she wanted a library when we uh constructed
1: the home, and. Here it is. And she was kind enough to take the girls and herself out of here so that she didn't have to listen to all of us snoring and making fools of ourselves. Yes, telling terrible stories
2: and, you know, stumbling around and losing at darts. It's really, it's really shameful.
1: And this is historical Signal Mountain. So it it became famous, obviously, in the Civil War. They probably used this and look out right over there to spy on the uh, troops as they were passing by. yes. And rain say. terror down on okay. the city
2: of Chattanooga from from nine pound and twelve pound cannons. Are they still around here?
1: Some of the cannons?
2: There are not many on signal, but there are a whole bunch on lookout. They pretty much came. They they came from that side. I think there was some very small action on signal, but it
1: was primarily lookout. Okay. Well, I can tell you firsthand that the stars last night were just, just stunning. They were everywhere because there's not a lot of light up here. Yep. But uh, Chattanooga. Is an interesting town that's been growing very fast, one of the fastest growing towns in America, and uh, you happen to be lording over it all. Here. Yes, lording over it all. <laughs> escaping, escaping the, the crime in the city. All right, so uh, we got a little situation here where we're gonna ask each other questions one at a time, see how it goes. I'm sure his answers will be a lot more interesting than mine. I'm usually the questioner, not the answerer, but we'll just see how this goes here on the Mill Creek View Tennessee podcast. So, what you got for me? All right, so
2: what we did, Ladies and gentlemen, just for those of you who uh, don't really understand what's going on here, neither do I, uh, <laughs> we decided we were going to shoot something, but we didn't know exactly what we were going to shoot, so I thought what would be interesting, at least to me, was to write down three questions and we will go, uh, in turn, answering these, um, and you don't know what they are, and I don't know what yours are, and we're just going to ask them, so I'll start off here. Right. So them on
1: that, uh birthday card envelope so that's how what's
2: the biggest roadblock
1: for conservatives in Tennessee oh gosh well I'll tell you I got here about a year and two months ago and one of the very first things I got to observe was uh, the new district 5 and I knew that you had endorsed Andy Ogles but Andy Ogles was not the preemptive candidate out of the gate for that district that didn't even exist 200 years ago when Tennessee became a state. So what they did was, they, you, I guess you kind of call it gerrymandering, they basically took someone, um, Morgan Artegas mm-hmm. and another guy it was kind of a scrub, maybe four candidates Mm -hmm. that none of which were eligible to do. They changed the rules that said you have to be here for like a thousand years and you had to be able to say that you were a descendant of Adam (laughs) or else you couldn't actually be a Republican and get the money from the vote. So they made all these crazy rules. It's like, wait wait a second. So for me, when I was going to register to vote, because of course, you know, I was going to keep my political activism going, uh, they wanted my records from my old state to prove that I voted for a Republican, um, uh, three of the last four, three. Four, four, four of the last mm-hmm. four times, including midterms. Well, I didn't live here, obviously. In Washington State, it's a secret ballot. You didn't even have to declare a party, and there were no records. So basically, I can't join the darn party. And then, of course, you had to pay money all along the way, which is really a poll tax. So that is a heck of a thing to be in the thing. But being in journalism is great because when they came for money. You know, I'm running for this office or that office. Can you donate? No, I can't because I'm a journalist and I gotta stay neutral. So at least I can keep them at bay. Uh, is that what you're looking for? Well, you know, I do think uh, the the
2: qualifying situation uh, with the Republican Party has been a train wreck of building trust with the grassroots because it seems to be not seems, I would say it is, it is far more about controlling the field of candidates so that incumbents are not challenged uh, than it is, let's get the most conservative person that aligns with the platform to run. Now, that having been said, uh, I believe in standards, meaning there should be some objective way Uh, that you can tell if you're going to be bona fide to run for office or not. And it should be on one sheet of paper, and you should be able to submit it and get approval months ahead of any election so that there's not this uh, let's wait and see what happens and then let's hold a secret meeting of the SEC to kick people off ballots, etc. And uh, hopefully that will change. But I'm not certain until we replace some folks on the SEC if we're going to see... Uh, in- integrity come back to the party. And that's not the Securities and Exchange Commission. So yes, people have to there are different state executive committee. And Robbie Starbuck
1: was the other candidate that I was forgot his name all of a sudden, who basically had to sue, um, which is ridiculous, but he moved here from California, so shame on him, I guess. When well, you look um, at the bylaws, the other thing is,
2: we're getting off on a tangent here. Okay. If you look at the bylaws, when they put that in there, uh, there's actually an asterisk and a footnote, and it says... If you come from another state and if you have voted, you, you know, it doesn't have to exclusively and only be in Tennessee. Right. And the footnote was there to to, make, to clarify that. And the SEC, you know, they just, at the end of the day, the SEC can uh, piss all over the bylaws because it's their vote. At the end of the day, if they want to vote somebody out, it doesn't matter what you've done. It, it's very much like a kangaroo court in, in that respect. Uh, so, hopefully, they'll they'll iron that out and make it more transparent and be more consistent with it. Yeah, I mean,
1: the Republican Party, and this is a, they have super majority itis. Uh, a, a, a party's supposed to want a big tent, right? The more voters, the better. The more participation, the better. The more active, the better. That's why a voter turnout is so pathetic. And then they tell their own voters, Republicans, eh, we don't need ya. you. You got to jump through hoops. Okay, so now my turn. Uh, what activated you at. 40-ish years old, uh, to get into journalism. You didn't do it your whole life. I could not get the truth out of
2: our own Republican Party, nor could I get the truth out of the mainstream media as it related to uh, the rights that were being completely stomped on uh, during COVID. that was essentially it. That was a traumatic experience for me to uh, have freedom stripped away, to have your gym shut down, your church shut down, to be... Uh, embarrassed and ridiculed uh, for health decisions that fast forward now we know that for the most part the folks that didn't get vaccinated, didn't wear a mask, uh, didn't participate in lockdowns, had no outcomes that were substantially different than the folks that did. Mm -hmm. Uh, People have still not apologized in leadership for the poor leadership of the uh, everybody else is jumping off the bridge, I'm going to jump off the bridge to leadership. Uh, as if that's an excuse for making bad uh, decisions in management or or uh, authority, and so it was it was really out of just sheer desperation and the thing about getting involved in politics, which is very strange, is unlike everything else you do in life um, there's a benefit to working harder on your business economically there's a benefit to working harder on your uh, physical fitness or your marriage or your relationships, but when you get involved in politics as a grassroots conservative activist it 's an uphill battle i mean you're fighting uh, a party uh, in the Republican party which is supposed to be on your side that's primarily funded almost exclusively by left leaning corporations and leadership uh, the electorate is uninformed and disinterested in what 's going on in state and local government so year after year it just kind of uh It slips. We we slip a little bit to the left each and every year, and uh, I'm not saying that we're managing decline on the right uh, for those that that want our nation and our state to be closer to its founding, Uh, but it is difficult. It's difficult because you spend all this time, energy, effort, and money, and you just feel like sometimes you're pissing in the wind.
1: Uh, well, there were a uh, lot of people pissed off about COVID. I mean, I'll, I'll admit when Washington got super draconian and you had the mask to go to the restaurant, but then you could sit down and take it off. And so it only apparently hovered around this area. Uh, you know, And the, the stuff that the schools were doing to our, our kids at the time, that's why we came to Tennessee. And so it's interesting to hear you say that COVID was what activated you. But there's a big difference between being pissed off and getting active in politics and creating a website out of pocket that's probably been a huge time suck on your day job Mm -hmm. when you have the two young kids who had to go through the exact same thing. How'd you make that leap from just being a pissed off activist in politics to a dedicated website that now the state relies on heavily to get their news? My church had shut down uh, and had gone
2: a tad woke. Uh, church that I would helped found. Um, We were the oldest members when we left, and they just refused to meet any longer. And I got uh, invited to, or recommended, to go to Calvary Chapel. And uh, Pastor Frank Ramseur, who I appreciate greatly, and who uh, gave me a lot of support early on, because as a Christian, you think, can I even... Everything I'm telling the truth about is very uncomfortable uh, you are truly speaking truth to power, not the fake kind of speaking truth to power, but the real kind of speaking truth to power. Uh, it's very uh, combative because the truth is ugly. It is not very pleasant. The the deeper I look, the, the more amazed I am at, at how corrupt our government is and how little it mirrors the message that is put out uh, in the governance. But he preached on Nehemiah, and he talked about how the, the walls were torn down for I think like 80 years. Nobody did anything about it. Mm-hmm. And it took one man who came from out of town um, who was called by God to try to go make a difference. And when I left that sermon, uh, I, I remember he said something. Vince, there may be a Nehemiah in this room right now, and maybe God's calling you to do something uncomfortable. And I left, and I told my wife, I said, well, I guess we're going to have to start this Blankety blank newspaper, because <laughs> there was no way to get the truth out, uh, and you could not get it from any paper. It was just like a government echo chamber, and so we were the only one. Uh, us, Tennessee stands, Andy uh Glenn Jacobs, a little bit, uh, were really about the only four voices in the state initially that were just raising hell about what was going on, and uh, and now. I'm even though we got through the most dangerous part and got the the special sessions to roll back a lot, but not all of of the things that allowed our government to uh, treat us so poorly, uh, now it, it it's like the the emergency seems to be over, but we've built this legacy uh, in this audience now, and we're the only people doing the news in the state of Tennessee
1: from a conservative perspective. It's really so, fascinating for me because I tuned into you thinking you had been established you know, 10, 20 years ago, and you were actually not even a year old from Washington State when I was trying to figure out the lay of the land in Tennessee, which was ultimately going to become my new home. Didn't even know at the time, and that's how I found TennesseeConservativeNews.com, mm-hmm. check it out, uh, because you were the only place, because I couldn't go to the Tennessean. A, I wasn't going to subscribe to it because it's super liberal, and I can see by the headlines it was super liberal. Then there was the Tennessee Star. Uh, I was listening to that podcast, but it was, you know, two hours behind. We were in on the West Coast, figured out pretty quickly where his bread was buttered, uh, all over the place, basically. You had the Arizona Star and the mm-hmm. Minnesota Star. You were the one and only spot to actually see all the things I knew about the Andy Ogles race, about... Tennessee stands, if I carry home along a couple mm-hmm. times. And then, as soon as I got here and created the Mill Creek View, Tennessee, which was the Mill Creek View, Washington, when I lived there, um, I joined that pack of five or six who just yep. can cut and through it. Lucky
2: to, lucky to have you, because there's so few people that cover state news, and if they do, they've got a very little axe to grind. Because they
1: have to stay in business, and the big donor... Corporate money is
2: Yes, always leaning. The thing that bothers me the most about that is that they just don't ever come out and say it. Like we are the Tennessee conservative news. Where's your bias? What do you cover? It's in the name. <laughs> we don't like pretend or masquerade uh, as if we're independent journalists who, you know, vote Democrat every time the doors are open. Uh, but nonetheless, right. that's what it, what it is. so Which is uh, why we're
1: called the view, by the way. We will take leftist views if they <laughs> want to come on, but they hide from us, so that's their fault.
2: So who do you admire in Tennessee politics
1: who's elected? Elected? I was going to say you, for sure. Um, I do like—well, uh, this is interesting. So they know how to talk the Republican talk, right? This is a supermajority red state, and, and anyone from any other state, even the New Yorkers who have moved here, the Chicagoans, Chicagoans from Illinois— Washington, California, they're coming here because probably, I would say, of the 80,000 that moved here last year, which is a record for the state, as old as it is, uh, have conservative views, and they want to get away from their ultra-liberal views that they're fleeing from, mm-hmm. left-Jugies, I call them. So I can tell who these politicians are and what they're saying, and if they're actually doing that. Um I I gotta say I do like Marsha Blackburn because I know what senators do for a living. A lot of people look to them and say, well, pass a law or write a bill. That's not what senators do. They talk, 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 talk. That's why I hate when they become presidents because when they're presidents all they do is talk, 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 not administer. So I like Marsha Blackburn quite a bit. Um, I have had uh, Rep. Reagan on. I've had Richie on. I just had Todd Warner on. You probably know these Mm -hmm. people much better than I do. I've had... um, uh uh not yet Janice bowling but I do I do admire what she's doing cuz she's they they're going to labor her, her, label her maga but she's really not she's just telling the truth she's just what
2: conservatives what she's what conservatives believe look like at the, the there's when you survey Republican primary voters they're remarkably conservative in their views but our party is you know their views are really—it's like you know Southern Democrats from 15, 20 years ago—is mm-hmm. about where the Republican Party in Tennessee, like if you, if you could draw it on a diagram, that's about where it is. Like we, we're basically Southern Democrats, uh, corporately focused. Look, like let's make let's grow the big business in Tennessee, yeah. and that—that's
1: it on all the other issues. They yeah, they feel like the, when they pass the the the. Boondoggle for Ford, they thought they were doing all the right things like, you know, a Calvin Coolidge type of a Republican. It's really not because they brought in what Tesla brought to Austin, Texas, or what Microsoft brought to Washington State, a bunch of wokesters who were going to change the demographic of their city. But, yeah, there'll be some tax revenue. Well, I can't
2: wait that the UAW comes forward. I mean, they've, they've done such good work everywhere else they've gone. I mean, you, you look at all the uh, rust belt areas that they have slowly but surely murdered, yeah. the American car manufacturers that they touch, yeah. uh, because everything woke turns to you-know-what, yeah. uh, both in business and in culture and in institutions and individuals, uh, because it's a lie. Uh, and, the, and the issue is, like, if Bad ideas have consequences when they come to fruition, uh, and, and people talk about it uh, and give lip service to it because they want to virtue signal about it, but then one day you turn around and go, like, oh, we are really chopping the body parts off of kids. Like we just talked about it, and we we, we we did cute things, and then it's like, oh, our borders are wide open. Like we've talked about it for decades, that that's kind of how it is, but now it's actually how it is. So all these things that they talk about and virtue signal about and lip sync uh, uh, about uh, ultimately ends up like, sneaking into culture and being a reality. So uh, it, it is a slippery,
1: and it from, is a slippery for slope. For me, coming from the slippery slope that already slipped, California first for 30 years and then Washington State for almost 20, I see what happens here. This is a super-majority Republican state, but the same unions— that fight the battles and won over there still have to play nice with the politicians here. So you get the teachers' unions, the American Library Association, the National Debating Society, the uh, what's it called, the, the, the covers sports for Title IX, they just have to grease the wheels of the Republicans just like they already greased the wheels of Washington and California and destroy it. So it's the same game. Just with an R behind their names. For most of them. But not with Janice Bowling, in my opinion. I don't know. I haven't met her yet. I wish she'd come on. I've asked her several times. Um, All right. How does your faith guide your editorial style and family life?
2: So this is difficult. Um, And this is something I've I've actually... uh, Will probably be in, in a short period of time. Talking to my pastor and other people about... Because there's some issues... That today, if you bring them up, talk about them, like you're seeing as as being almost exclusively hateful. Whereas uh, I, I, it is scripturally exactly what it says. There's a few things: illegal immigration. Uh, even when everybody got together and they tried to build the the Tower of Babel, God says, "I will split you up. I will change your tongues, and I will make you into separate nations." Uh, God locks borders, he likes nations, he likes walls. Uh, there, there are distinct cultures for a reason, but when you advocate for that, you know, it, 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 in today's modern culture, even though it's scripturally accurate, it's terrible. Same thing uh, as it relates to uh, exposing our kids to strong sexual content, uh, homosexuality, etc., it's difficult to speak out about that stuff, especially when you know that you are a sinner and you are imperfect, uh, and that that it did take a Savior to die on the cross to reconcile you with God. Uh, It's very difficult. Uh, It is a lot easier in today's culture to uh, be a a Christian pacifist who doesn't care about culture and to keep uh, any talk about politics or... Governance out of the pulpit, which I think is a tremendous uh, mistake, and so I try uh, every day to to do what I think is right. I don't know that I necessarily do that all the time, um, but in my in my personal life, uh, luckily I, I married a woman who's very strong in her faith and uh, who keeps me centered uh, because I'm you know a little rough around the edges. It's just the truth, and. Um, We believe in prayer at this house, Uh, we believe in church attendance. Uh, It's something that was formative to me growing up in a rough uh, childhood. My grandmother uh, took me to church and I didn't really know uh, at the time, I guess, when I was listening to those old quartets on an AM radio station that uh, God was ministering to me then and in the little country church that I went to subsequently Uh, was foundational, and even though I kind of ran from the church in in my college and early years, uh, it always called you back. So you never know. Um, With your children or with your friends, uh, what you're doing now uh, often has big ripples. And
1: so just keep after it. Mm -hmm. And the Vatican has walls around it, and one of the reasons I don't equate the Christian ethos of you know love thy neighbor or, or, or the widows and orphans for this in particular is because they're lying to us we don't even know how many illegal immigrants have been brought in in the dead of night into Tennessee because they know it's wrong to do it that way and yes the people that hate it the most we're gonna see in an election in about one year from today uh, the legal immigrants they don't like illegal immigrants because they spent tons of time tons oh, yes. of money had to go through it the right way created a business built it from nothing, like, you know, our, my father did when he came over from Europe, from nothing, and then they see all these guys coming in and gals coming in. Yeah, they're in, holding these.
2: There's a group of people that are trying to do it right that are being held to these amazingly high and difficult and expensive and lengthy standards, and yet they're making a complete mockery of it on the border with everything that's going on,
1: but... And destroying their businesses in 2002, or one, when they had the riots and stuff. What are you most hopeful about legislatively? That's my last one. Oh, gosh. The one that got me the most excited last session that kind of got pushed under the rug or back burner uh, with the COVID shooting and all that tragedy um, that got used in the special session, which was a completely waste of time. And then, of course, the jump to Justin's and, and the Gloria's decided to grandstand about it. Was when uh, Cameron Sexton said, Let's give the federal funds back to the Department of Education and go it alone in Tennessee. I like that a lot because I'm all about states' rights and I know that the strings attached to all of that Fed money, not just for education, but for everything, comes with some really gross strings. Yes. Uh, You know, including NIH money, et cetera, et cetera. So I love that he did that. I'm glad he's been making comments about it even to this day, so it hasn't disappeared, so he still wants to do it. Where the the money's gonna come from for charter schools that they wanna expand? I don't know why there's only like three districts in the whole state, it's a huge state that even are allowed to have charters. I don't understand that, it should just be blanket, but it's incremental and that's great. Um, that is, that basically I call it the nullification bill. To be able to tell DC when you have an administration that's running rampant like this and you don't agree with it, Pound sand. Uh, that's amazing. And that's why they're freaking out on the left, too. You know, you see the teachers screaming, oh, kids are not going to learn. They're not learning. No, oh, no, there's what no what money they for they teachers. teachers. They don't get the money. It goes to the administrators, etc., etc. And you can... I have statistics all over the place. Administrative bulk. Concerts. It's only
2: 53% of uh,
1: education dollars
2: it in the classroom. The rest of it's just completely wasted. Wasted.
1: And it's not even on the school room. You know, they when they were keeping kids out of school because of COVID, they said we're not gonna let them go back until we get HVAC systems, you know, roll, you know, filtering and they never did it. And the school's that, you know, so anyway, that would be fantastic. So I would most look forward to that. Other stuff, um, I don't really like I was told by John Gentry, I don't know if you've ever interviewed him, mm-hmm. he ran against Lee far distant third candidate, but he is a constitutional scholar, and his constitution that he's spoken on is the Tennessee one, Mm -hmm. and he said they put up 1,500 bills on average every session, A 1,000 of them get passed, usually unanimous consent, because 75% Mm -hmm. are Republicans, so they don't even need the Democrats, but they go with it, so you know it's bad, and... (laughs) Uh, why? The state has been awesome for a long, long time. You don't need all these new rules and regulations, but yet they consistently do it, and you follow the money, and you know the Rhino Report that will point out exactly why it's happening. I would love to see that curtailed, and I would love to see the emergency powers for the next governor curtailed, because he obviously abused them last time. Um, Those are the primary ones, but what I'd also love to see is the California-style Prop 13, where they can't jack up the property taxes on you on a whim of a bunch of uh, city council members or aldermen they're called, uh, like they've done all around Williamson County, where I live, some as much as 50%. I watched people in Seattle as the property values went up and up and up who were, lived in the home that they grew up in, their parents had died, they lived in the house, had to sell and move out because the taxes bounced them out. They were just day-to-day paycheck folks and uh, what happens next? They tear down the house. They build a McMansion. And property values on everybody else goes up the next time, too. But they were rich Microsoft-y, so it didn't really matter. If that happens in Williamson County or out there in the outskirts, Davis County, where uh, Cody Barrett is, Jody Barrett, sorry, not good. Yeah, I agree. You got... You what, got what, most, are you, what, what are you most...
2: Mo- okay. Most excited about legislatively? Um, I'm, I'm a little bit... Um, what is the word, pessimistic about what will actually get through any substance, I would love to see some kind of real school choice. Governor Lee ran on it, hasn't done Jack more squad about it. Um, Cameron Sexton and, and most of the guys in Republican leadership are against school choice. They'll make some noise about it. They'll try to let a handful of kids in the worst failing schools maybe if you win a lottery, get some kind of special uh, release from the academic hellscapes that we call education. But I'm, I'm most hopeful that we can get some sort of um, no strings attached tax rebate for people that decide not to participate in public schools. I and mean, you pay into taxes, it's, it's the lion's share of the taxes that get paid in Tennessee. I would love to see Republicans um, actually do something instead of just talk about it as it relates to giving uh, kids and parents options in public uh, to get out of public schools, did you like seeing the left scurry
1: like cockroaches with the lights flipped on when they said they were going to start grading schools A to F? Because they, they have wiggled and
2: squirmed on that. It's like it's been a decade. We're supposed to just, in a transparent way, tell parents how bad their schools suck. Like it's basically of... it. I mean, and that's the reason they keep wallowing around is because they know that the majority of the schools, the vast majority of the schools, by any standard of academic achievement, if they're going to get A, B, C, D, or F, they're going to be like D's and C's and F's. And that's why, because they, they can't make any objective standard that would actually communicate the truth, that would tell you that the schools are doing well because they're doing so poorly. Yeah. And so uh, that's, that's also why you see this huge debate about uh, making no letter grade lower than a 50 and, and that's essentially what the schools are wanting to do for themselves is yeah. because if we cannot achieve results and they can't if we can't give good customer service and they don't and if we're not responsive to our clients which they never have been then then we've got to change what
1: decent is yeah. from achieving like, what are the standard standards for whatever it they is they just, like every mean, year them. I mean it's well in Oregon they got rid of the eight, eight letter grades completely don't you okay. basically just move right through. It the is economy? just a
2: government job factory. It is babysitting very expensive, uh, very expensive and detrimental babysitting for Tennessee taxpayers is really what it's devolved into. And they have to have those employees
1: to pay the dues to elect Democrats. So it's kind of a vicious circle of, of complete incompetence. Okay, last question here. Um Let's see. Uh, you have a make Tennessee great again uh, zeal, obviously. Uh, you love Tennessee; that's that's very clear. What about it is like no other state in the in the country? What, what you you've you've been a few and you know. So I have been here now longer than I
2: lived in Alabama. I grew up in Alabama. Um, I got here as quick as I could as soon as I got out of college. Uh, I came to Chattanooga. I'd I'd seen Merle Haggard. Uh, at Memorial Auditorium. I, when I was the president of the Senate at Jackson State University, I brought our leadership team here for a retreat, and I just fell in love with the downtown area. Um, yeah, they had live music. It's a big deal to me. I love music, um, and as you've seen, I'm not very good at it, but I like to listen to it. And I like to play it. I like to sing. I like to go see uh, concerts, um, and it, it brought me here. But now that I've been here, um, for really well over 20 years, I think what I love most about Tennessee uh, is probably its natural beauty. I'm a big outdoors enthusiast, and if you were in Tennessee, you can get in the car and drive an hour to an hour and a half in any direction and be, to me, to be in the most beautiful area of the world. I mean, I go all over the kind of places, and I lock the... Uh, I like going out west, and it's, it's great to see those big, huge mountains, but there's something um, that I think is just deep in, in my blood uh, for these big, huge, uh, deciduous rainforests that we live in uh, here in Tennessee and the Smoky Mountains and uh, the foothills of the Appalachians. Uh, so I think it's just a fantastic state, and we've got so much culture uh, here. And you've got the blues in Memphis. You've got the uh, country music's. Origins in Nashville, although it is not what it used to be, um, just just beautiful areas, and and all of them are different. You know, Nashville's its own thing, Tri Cities is its own thing, Memphis is in, is its own thing, and then that you've got rural areas. I love rural Tennessee, mm-hmm. small communities where people know one another. So we, we've got we've got the best of all worlds. We could just stick a beach, if we could just wiggle us over to a beach that's the only thing that Tennessee is missing is a beach so somebody needs to get on that
1: yeah it took me 7 hours to get to 30 A uh, last week um, alright well did, that was the last one wasn't it that's it All right, we, well, we're done. we We're done you. no more no more work <laughs> no more work this weekend alright well thank you for hosting us this weekend uh, again happy birthday and I always like to end the show um, with my quotes of the day what's your favorite quote from literature One of my
2: favorite quotes... Or politicians or anything. Uh, There's a few things that spring to mind, too, immediately. uh, Things that I have to read continuously and constantly because of who I am. Uh, Therefore, do not be worried about tomorrow, for tomorrow will will be worried uh, for itself sufficient uh, for the day or the troubles thereof. And that is the old King James... uh, Version of of Jesus telling us as believers uh, that He's got it, and so I've read, Amen. I've I've read those words over and over and over again, and it's uh, especially when you're conservative and you're a Christian, like you have to kind of like, my job is to labor here in the present age and to do the best I can, but knowing that if Revelations and lots of other things are fulfilled, that it's going to get worse before it gets better, and you know our job is not to try to worry about what happens in the world because there's a plan unfolding and god is in control but we are called to do our
1: best and to run the race while we're here with what we have awesome Well said amen and uh thanks for saying it on the milk View tennessee podcast please subscribe all your favorite apps and rumble and uh let's go brandon the people that walked in
0: the darkness Have seen a great light They that dwell in the land Of the shadow of death Upon them hath the light Shined bright For unto us A child is born Unto us a son is given And his name shall be called Wonderful The Prince of Peace to show the way to heaven